this morning. If you're a visitor here at Faith Family Fellowship, I'd like to extend a welcome to you and invite you to fill out the uh, connection card right in front of you and drop that in the basket, the offering baskets on the back wall on your way out. Uh, We'd greatly appreciate that. Give us an opportunity to reach out to you, uh, see if there's anything we can pray for you, do anything for you, and uh, if you would give us that, that that opportunity, we'd greatly appreciate it. So, I'm in a t-shirt. Um... (laughs) And as you don't, very unusual, uh, but the kids just got, the students got back from camp this week, and so if you see red shirts all around, uh, those are students and adults who spent the week uh, across the bay, University of Mobile at, uh, at Mission Fuge, and so uh, they, we went out uh, each day into the community and uh, worked at uh, two different places, uh, building relationships uh, with kids and uh, and sharing with them and and uh, playing games and so it uh, it was a great week a good time together it was nice and very warm and uh, was 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 great to have those opportunities to build relationships to share Christ and to be together and so um, that that's what the shirts are about encourage you to go ask uh, someone wearing a shirt 
uh, a question about the week, ask them to rate their week or uh, what the best part of the week was or what they learned and, and put them on the spot. All right, good. So we a uh, few announcements. We will not be meeting back here this evening. Uh, we will be uh, dispersed, and so I hope you have a fantastic time with family. Uh, this Wednesday night, we'll be back together uh, for discipleship time in in a variety of groups uh, this evening, this this Sunday evening. Um, then in a few weeks, Father's Day is next week, and so it has been our practice to take up an offering for the Alabama Baptist Children's Home. And so that uh, we'll do that next week, and you're encouraged to uh, just give a, maybe a dollar per family member, I think is what they, what they tell us is, is, a, is a good gift uh, for them. But just want to encourage you to begin praying for the children's home this week, to pray for that offering, and specifically for the ministry that is done through the children's home. As we have several families here who foster through the children's home, and uh, several throughout the state who utilize the children's home to foster and the families and kids that are supported by those homes in the state. And so would encourage you to pray for them, to pray uh, for the Lord uh, to take care of those needs and those families, and then our families who are part of that, okay? So that will be next weekend. Just want to make you aware of it and then ask you to begin to be praying for, uh, for that. So we have been memorizing scripture each week uh, as we gather together, and so for June, we are looking at one verse that you probably are familiar with. You probably know this verse, you probably haven't memorized, and so please don't check out uh, here because one of the values of memorizing scripture is more than just utility, more than being able to use it. Uh, in our own lives and use it to give a defense for the faith, to use it in evangelism and directing someone, but it's also useful spiritually for our own, uh, our own edification. That biblical meditation is where we are filled with God's word. We are filled with what he has said, and we are then conformed to his image by what he has revealed. And so it is of such value to have at, at heart and in our minds what he has said, even if we're familiar with it, but to return to it, to consider God's word, and to spend time there. So let's read it, if you would, with me, uh, Romans 6, 23, and uh, then we'll, we'll pray, okay? All right, so read out loud with me. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans 6, 23. So the wages, the outcome of sin is death. Death is here because of sin. We will die because of sin. And that as we sin, we bring ourselves closer to it. And God gives a gift of grace in his son and encourages us to turn away from that. Turn to him, to Christ. Let's pray. Father God, thank you. God, thank you for your gift of grace in your son. We have no hope outside of Christ. We have nothing but sin and death. And so, Lord, would you call us this morning? Would you illuminate our minds and our lives, God, where we have treasured sin, where we have treasured places in our lives that are in uh, that are contrary to you and what you have revealed. 
And God, lead us in repentance this morning. God, lead us to turn from those things because of Christ and because of the grace given us in in your Son. So, Father, may we see, may we see the costly gift of grace in the cross that Jesus died, had to die to pay our penalty, to pay for sin. And that out of his abundant love of giving your Son for what it costs, that we would be restored and have life in Jesus. And so, God, would you lead us to Christ this morning? Lead us, Lord, to restoration. Lead us to repentance. Lead us to faith in your Son this morning, God. That, Lord, we would, we would go this week in faith, in the blood of Christ, based on what he has done, we would reach out to others and love on others and direct others to the gift of grace in Christ. And so, Father, would you lead us this morning? Would you speak to us from your word and guide us, Lord? Would you be, Lord, with this offering next weekend? That, Lord, you, you have called together the people that are serving uh, in the, uh, the children's homes across the state, across the Bay in Mobile and in other places, and that, Lord, we ask your blessing on those people. You would fill them with your word, God. You would grow them individually, that they would be more effective in their places of service, and that, God, you would help them uh, to be to be servants in the lives of families across this state who are hurting, who are feeling the effects of sin, that there is destruction and difficulty, that, God, you would use them to protect children, you would use them to protect lives, and that, God, you would use them to speak and represent you well, that, God, you would bring people to faith in your son, Jesus, and that you would use them to that end. And so, God, would you lead us in giving? Would you lead us this week in prayer? Uh, God, that you, Lord, would be with uh, the ministry of the Alabama Baptist children, ho- Children's Homes, and that you would be with those families here who are a part of that ministry, who are fostering children, that, God, you would fill them, Lord, with strength, you would fill them with your spirit and that, God, you would use them in dark and difficult places for your glory and for the good of other people. And so, Father, would you lead, would you guide and be with us this morning? In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Please stand with us as we continue worship. We're going to sing about our strong God. Scripture tells us a lot about him, and one of the things that always come to my mind is several battles in the Old Testament. But there's one in particular where they were losing unless he kept his hands in the air, and people had to come alongside and help hold his hands up so they would win the battle. But the Word of God tells us that God upholds us by his righteous right hand. So we have a strong, strong God. Let's sing about him. to the 
In the power of the cross. 
Good to see you this morning, and I want to welcome you to Faith Family Fellowship again. And do what? I'm buzzing. I'm not buzzing. I, I promise you, I don't know what he means by that, but I am not buzzing. Now, my microphone may be buzzing, but I'm. This is good. Thank you. Can you hear me? Can you hear me now? All right, good. I I couldn't hear any buzzing. That's yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Ah, well, no, it was actually David that was buzzing over there. We, as a church family, are so happy to see Hannah back, and she has David with her, and uh, David is with her, and uh, they are in the uh, process. You are fostering at this point, uh, and with the consideration of adoption, and... Uh, and so uh, what a grateful thing to rescue a life and put it in a home, a godly home, uh, where they can be nurtured in the things of the Lord. And so we are so glad to see you here. Uh, we're also glad to see uh, Mr. and Mrs. Moore here. <coughs> Alex and Maddie are here this morning. Good, good to see you back. 
Now, this is the moment you really should uh, turn the microphone off, okay? Uh, <laughs> All I know is you've been married just a week and a day and a half, and your mother told me this morning that she's going from having two grandchildren to four grandchildren. Okay, that's not, that's not you guys. Okay, I just want to make sure. Okay, okay. We're glad to have you back. I shouldn't have done that, should I have? No, 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 no. <laughs> uh, what are you going to do, fire me? And uh, I want to thank Michelle for filling in and not only filling in and leading our worship, but she had to play the piano today as well. Pam had to have a gallbladder removed and was unable to be here today. And uh, so I, I, when I saw uh, Michelle up here playing, I went to her kids and I said, is there anything your mom can't do? And the response was, we haven't found out yet. So that's pretty good as well. Uh, as uh, you guys know, uh, it's not with uh, a uh, longing in my heart uh, to retire from Pastor at Faith Family Fellowship on the 26th, but it is necessary. And... Uh, I need to do that. In doing that, I know that it's got to make you feel a little, well, some of you may be glad and just rejoicing, but it make you may make you feel a little bit nervous and wondering, you know, what's it going to look like and who's going to stand in this pulpit. And First of all, we have plenty of people in our church, uh, uh, from Matthew to our elders and others who... Uh, are quite capable of preaching and teaching the Word of God faithfully. Uh, and I mean that that's better than a lot of other pulpits in America. And I, and I say that because they're on solid footing, and they will teach you the truth, and they will guard your souls, and they'll be like shepherds uh, who uh, are not hirelings, uh, but they would be willing to lay down their lives for the sheep. And, and I mean that with all my heart, so don't be scared. Let me refer to a couple of other things. Uh, in, in my office uh, are my uh, uh, certificate for being licensed to preach in August of 1975. And I had just, I was uh, one month into being 18 years of age. Uh, when I was licensed to preach. And, uh, and then two years later, in August of 77, I was one month into being uh, 20 years of age, but I had already been the interim pastor of a church when I was 19. And that was the Chisholm Baptist Church in the big town of Chisholm, Texas. And uh, I want to tell you, God did some wonderful and some marvelous things through a 19-year-old a in those days. And so I, I don't want you to think in terms of, well, 
you know, you got to have a gray-haired guy up there, or because I wasn't gray-headed when I came here. <clears throat> you have made me gray, and uh, I appreciate that so much because it's uh, a gray head is a glory unto the Lord, the Scripture says. So uh, praise God for that. Uh, the uh, pastor search uh, team is uh, meeting with a prospect uh, to be interim pastor. Uh, uh, they'll be meeting this afternoon. They already have two others that have said they would be available to do that. So uh, that is in the works of the possibility. I want to remind you that uh, 16 years ago, uh, well, more than 16 years ago, uh, nearly 18 years ago, uh, you needed, this church needed an interim pastor and uh Dr. Fred Wolf, who had been pastor at Cottage Hill Baptist Church, had retired uh, from that church, and he became your interim pastor. And uh, so God abundantly supplied, and I'm trusting that he will do the same again. And so uh, I'm saying really leads into the text of Scripture because the Sunday that you installed me as your pastor uh, Fred Wolf preached that Sunday, and he preached from Isaiah chapter 61, verses 1 through 3. But don't turn there. Because I've chosen this morning for us to read it as it was quoted by the Lord Jesus Christ in the book of Luke. So I'm actually going to step out of the book of Isaiah in particular this morning, and we'll be in Luke's gospel and the fourth chapter. And I, I think you need to see this. And by the way, uh, if you'll, you'll remember that when Brother Fred left being the interim pastor here, he started a church in Mobile, and uh, some of you will know the name of it. It was Luke 4.18, and that's why. So uh, here in Luke chapter 4 and verse 16 and following, I want to read uh, this account of Jesus reading from the scroll of Isaiah, Isaiah 61, uh, 1 through 3. And he came to Nazareth, that is Jesus, where he had been brought up. And as was his custom when he, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day and he stood up to read. By the way, let me interject, this is what you're seeing here is a high honor because this honor was given to a teacher. Uh, we know the word rabbi, rabbi is the Hebrew word for teacher. So the church there, the synagogue there recognized Jesus as a teacher of the scripture. So he stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll, and he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant 
and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today, and you've, you've got to know this, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. So who's he referring to when he reads it? Himself. Nail that down in your heart. Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And all spoke well of him and marveled at the gracious words that were coming from his mouth. But it didn't end there. And they said, and let me interject this. Isn't this Joseph's son? I'm, I'm putting the inflection that I think was probably there when all of a sudden, yeah, but he said it's fulfilled. And wait a minute, isn't this Joseph's son? And he said to them, doubtless you will quote to me this proverb, physician, heal yourself. What you have heard, what we have heard you did at Capernaum, we ask you, do here in our hometown as well. And he said, truly, amen, verily, what, listen to what I'm about to say. I say to you, no prophet is acceptable in his hometown. But in truth, I tell you, there were many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah. When the heavens were shut up, Three years and six months, and great famine came over all the land. And Elijah was sent to none of them, but only to Zarephath in the land of Sidon to a woman who was a widow. And there were many lepers in Israel in the time of the prophet Elisha. And none of them was cleansed, but only Naaman the Syrian. Now, when they heard these words, all in the synagogue were filled with wrath, anger. And they rose up and they drove him out to the of the town and brought him to the brow of the hill on which their town was built. Why'd they do it? So that they could throw him down the cliff. But, but Jesus passing through their midst went away. Let's pray together. And Father, help us to uh, be able to not only comprehend the simplicity and yet the profundity of this passage of Scripture. Help us to be able to put it in the context of where we are today and also in the context of what we're about to participate in coming to the Lord's table. Lord, give us great confidence, great strength, knowing that our hope is in Christ. And Father, whether we be going through difficulties or trials as one of our church members and family are, we pray that you would lift them up and strengthen them by your Spirit. Or, Lord, if we're going through prosperous times and times of blessing, 
Lord, help us to seize those moments of opportunity to be a tool of instrument of your grace and mercy to someone. And so, Lord, we ask you now to help us to comprehend the truth of this word and then to apply it to our lives and share it with an unbelieving world. To your glory and by your grace, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, you know, the Scripture tells us in Hebrews chapter 2, talking about the Lord, uh, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Now, when you look at the cross, it doesn't look very joyful. And uh, when you see what Jesus does here, he, he says this Scripture is fulfilled in your midst today. And everybody went, hey, that's great, but wait a minute. You're Joseph's kid. And then Jesus said, uh, and they said, do all these wonderful works. And Jesus said, well, I'm not going to do it everywhere and with everybody. And all of a sudden, everybody turned on him to the point of anger and murder. I mean, things just turned so quickly. They were vile and violent. I know you don't know anything about vileness or violence in our day. Uh, It's amazing how quickly people are getting angry and becoming violent in in our current day and culture. And what are we to do? Well, we need to trust in God and His grace in the same way that the Lord Jesus does here. But it says, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross. Was it the joy of the suffering that he was about to go through? And I want to challenge you by saying, no, it's not. I don't believe it is. I believe there's a different joy that he's talking about. And it wasn't the suffering of Calvary, but it was the benefit of what it would become of him redeeming his bride unto himself. That there's a future coming benefit of what Jesus did on the cross of Calvary He would have a redeemed people that would be His for all eternity. He would have communion and fellowship with us while we walked on this earth, and He would use us for as His children to spread His name to the ends of the earth. But the the joy is waiting for that feast that is to come when He said, "I, I won't have this with you again until we do it in glory. Well, James chapter 1 tells us to count it all joy, brethren, when you meet trials of various kinds. It sounds very similar, doesn't it? Well, how are you and I to face trials and difficulties and hardships with joy? Well, it goes on to say, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. There's something good on the other side of this. It may be real hard to go through it right now. Just as Jesus endured the cross, but he did it with joy because of what was to come on the other side of it. So let, he says in James 1, let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. So I want to suggest to you in a similar way that Jesus endured the cross 
that he wants to enable you and I to endure trials and sufferings so that we not, might know that there's glory on the other side of this. There is fulfillment on the other side of this. There is salvation on the other side of this. So there's this narrative story that where Jesus stands up, shares this text of Scripture, and all of a sudden they begin to say, you know, surely it's not fulfilled in the Lord Jesus, and they became angry and they sought to kill him. Question is, why did they seek to kill him? Well, if you go back through the text, he identifies uh, who is to receive him. He said, I came to the poor, the captive, the blind, and the oppressed. I came for the poor, the captive, the blind, and the oppressed. And what were the people of Nazareth saying? Obviously, if Jesus said this scripture is fulfilled in your midst, I am he, we don't want you, we don't want your message, we don't want what you have come to do because we're not poor and we're not blind and we're not captive and we are not oppressed. You see, salvation isn't coming to everybody, is it? There's a very exclusivity of the gospel. Now, what do we mean by that? There's how many ways, not according to Christianity, but according to God, okay? So, some people say, well, according to Christianity, this is the way to God. According to Buddhism, this is the way to God. According to uh, Taoism, this is the way to God. According to Islam, this is the way to God. According to God, there is one way, and it's extremely exclusive. Narrow is the way, and straight is the gate that leads to life. There's only one door, and Jesus said, I'm the door. There's only one way, and Jesus said, I'm the one way. I mean, there, there is no other, and so I want to just kind of expose the text here, and then I want to suggest to you three things, okay? Number one, the text tells us, uh, the text from Isaiah chapter 61, it tells us that of Jesus' Messiahship, number one. It's his Messiahship. That's what he says. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. And it's the word anointed that uh, is Messiah. Uh, a king, in a sense, is anointed. Uh, a prophet was anointed, and Jesus is saying, I'm anointed, but not just a Messiah, but the Messiah, and he is the anointed one. Uh, all of Israel had been looking forward to the one that was to come, but what were they looking for? They were looking for a deliverer from their troubles. They were being oppressed by Rome. Uh, they wanted uh, food. They began to follow him because Jesus could do what with some bread and fish? And he could feed a multitude with it. And he said about that group, you are following me because what I can do for you in your stomach. That's not why I've come. 
Then we're talking about the Messiah that has come for the purpose of dying on the cross for our sins. And you see, we, we in our day can get so confused about this because we talk about Jesus, oh, Jesus can heal me of this, and Jesus can give me more money, and Jesus can do this, and Jesus can do that. And we've got our eyes on the wrong Messiah. It's the wrong Messiah. The Messiah is the one who came to be the payment price for our sins. So just very simply, his Messiahship. Secondly, in Isaiah, as well as Luke here, he gives us his message. He gives us a threefold message. Number one, he said, I came to proclaim good news to the poor. I came to proclaim good news to the poor. Now, blessed are the poor in spirit, the Scripture says. We're not talking about financially poor people here. We're talking about spiritually poor. Christ came to bring good news to us. Bad news is the verse we, first part of the verse we quoted earlier. For the wages of sin is death. That's bad news. There's not any good news in that whatsoever. Unless you're Aristotle. I know you were probably reading Aristotle this week like I was. <laughs> Aristotle had a skewed view of life. And uh, Aristotle said the best thing to happen in a person's life is for them to die. Why do he say that? He said it because he looked at what we went through in life and says, on this side of life, everything is trouble. It's trials. It's difficulties. It's hardship. And Janet and I went this past week, we went down to the agency, the area agency on aging. Because we had to apply for supplemental insurance to go with our uh, Medicare and all of this, and we're looking at all that, and we have been we we've been spoiled in the ministry because every church we've been at, we had a an accountant that was the treasurer, and when it came to insurance, you know what they said? This is what we're going to take care of, and you know, and when it went to the doctor, we we're taken care of, and we go down there and visit, and we're like. Now we know what the rest of the people are having to go through. And, man, and when you sit down and listen to somebody tell you the options that you have and it takes two hours for you to listen to them, all of a sudden you go, whoa. <laughs> Would you like me to do that again for you? I mean, I don't know, man. How, how, it, it gets confusing. I don't know what to do now. And such is life. That's what he said. Is that the best thing, that we just die? Well, Jesus said, I came to bring good news to those who are empty spiritually, who say, where is my hope? And the gospel is the good news, the message that Christ died for our sins, and there's life after death in eternity for the one who is in Christ, and there is an eternal death to the one who's outside of Christ. He came to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind. 
that was the proclamation. That was the message that he came. I came to set you free. Free from what? Slavery? Not slavery. Sin and sickness. I came to set you free from all that by giving you eternal life and setting you free. Uh, and then thirdly, he says, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Because you've been looking for year after year after year after year, decade, century for salvation to come. And what did Jesus say? It's here now. Salvation has come to you. You and I look back and we see the good news. And we see the favorable year of the Lord. When the Bible says... Today is the day of salvation. It's going back to say, look to the day when Christ was crucified and you will be saved. You'll have all of your hopes and dreams fulfilled in Christ. But that, but does, that doesn't mean that I'm going to go through life without trial. No, as a matter of fact, Jesus again and again taught his disciples, you're going to go through trials. It is through many tribulations that you will enter the kingdom of heaven. You're going to have trial after trial after trial. Temptation is going to come your way. Sometimes you'll resist temptations. Other times you'll fall to temptation. Somebody asked me how I was feeling this morning. I said, well, I'm feeling pretty good. They said, well, pretty good? I said, yeah, every time I come to the Lord's table, I get a little queasy in my stomach. Why is that? Well, it tells you, number one, don't take of the Lord's Supper unworthily. Well, now that's referring into the way we do it. We're not haphazard in the way we do it. We're very careful in the way we do it. And it's something that you have to do in your heart to take it worthily, to know that it is, you're looking to Christ. You're in Christ. You're celebrating Christ. You're remembering Christ. And you're looking forward to a time when you will be with Christ. But it also tells us to examine our hearts to see whether we're in the faith. And so you go start looking back over the, since the last time you had communion. And you see, well, yeah, I, I lied. I said something ugly. I, you know, and Christians ought not do that. And I, I know that because Satan is a faithful reminder. He is the accuser of the brethren. So I, I'm, you know, I'm pretty well up to date on the fact that I've, I've done that. And I need to come in confession of my sin like the Scripture says. Don't be a liar and say, I have not sinned. If you do that, the truth is not in you. But confess your sin and he will be faithful and just to forgive you of your sin and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And be able to come to this table with gracious heart. Hands cleansed, knowing that who can lift up clean hands? Who can ascend the hill of the Lord? None of us can, only the Savior can, and only we can through Christ. So that was his uh, message. What was his mission? Well, it's a very simple miss uh, mission. Verse 18 says, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. He's talking about salvation. He's talking about salvation. So here's what I want to suggest to you. How does he do this? Number one is substitution. His substitution. James Montgomery Boyce, uh, in his uh, book, Foundations of the Christian Faith, this is what he wrote. We have God first rebuking the sin 
and then performing the sacrifice for Adam and Eve. For they were clothed in skins of slain animals. And then he reminds us, it must have shocked them because they've not seen anything die. Uh, they've not seen anything killed. So they must have been horrified, he goes on to say, and they must have recalled from the sacrifice, but then they must have marveled at it as well. You see, this is the meaning of substitution. It is the death of one in behalf of another. And you and I have all through Scripture different times when we see this idea of substitution. We had, there is a debt that we owe that we cannot pay. Christ paid a debt that he did not owe. He substituted for us. You'll remember that in, uh, it was Abraham that was uh, uh, commanded by the Lord to take his son Isaac up onto Mount Moriah and sacrifice him. And on the way, they're getting ready. And remember, I Isaac even asked the question to Abraham. Where is the sacrifice? And what does Abraham say? The Lord will provide for himself a lamb. In the Mosaic Levitical sacrificial system, God had given this offering. Uh, I, I went and looked. There are five different categories of offerings, but there are so many different offerings and sacrifices that got to be made. Um, or I, I shared with one of our children yesterday, if you had a scab, you, you, had to, you had to bring an offering to the church after your scab went away. You, you, you weren't allowed to come to church with the scab. And the mother said, my kids would never go to church then. What they, were, what they were looking, they were talking about scabs in regard to leprosy or some skin disease, okay? But even at that, they had to come. And can you imagine what church would have been like? It was every day they made blood sacrifices. Uh, you had to bring animals with you. You had to bring sheep with you. You had to bring a, a turtle dove with you. Uh, this morning I was walking my dog, and uh, I, I was talking with one of our church members, uh, uh, Faye Carter. Her husband's in the hospital, and I was talking with her. I took the leash off my dog thinking, because we were at the house. He's going to go right on in the house. He saw a dove down the end of the street. I'm telling you what, he bounded out of there like a deer. He started running. I mean, he's 200 yards away from me before I can blink an eye. And uh, I don't know why I was saying that. I was talking about dove. Okay, dove. <laughs> uh, thankfully, when I called him, you know what he did? He came back because he never comes back. But this morning he did. And, 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 and you may have had to have brought a dove with you this morning. Or, or you would have had to have brought salt with you or spices with you or whatever and lay them on the altar. It would have been a, a very tedious thing to come to church week after week, day after day. Jesus fulfilled his mission of dying on the cross for our sins and being our substitute allows us to come to a table this day and it's a remembrance that the sacrifice has been paid. 
when we come to this table, it shouldn't be a ritual that we go through week, uh, month after month and say, well, we're going to have Lord's Supper again. It's a reminder, I don't have to do this. It's been done for me. I'm celebrating this. I don't have to bring a cow in with me. Christ has paid the price. He shed his blood. You see, in the Old Testament sacrifices, they didn't satisfy, did they? No, you had to do it over and over. It just pushed the redemption one year closer to the coming of the Messiah. It's like an endless cycle. But to Abraham, he said, God will provide himself a lamb. And so when John sees Jesus coming, he says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And in John 3.16, he says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. There's substitution. Secondly, there's satisfaction. There's satisfaction. The word we have in the Bible in the New Testament is the word propitiation, big word. It's the payment made to satisfy the just demands of a holy God on our sin. In Hebrews 10.4 uh, it says, It's impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sin. And then in verses 9 and 10, he said, Behold, I have come to do your will. He does away with the first, that is the old sacrificial system, in order to establish the second. And by that will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of the Lord Jesus Christ once for all. When you come to be in Christ, it's a once for all satisfaction. In Isaiah 53 and verse 10, we looked at it a few weeks ago. It says, but the Lord was, and I'm quoting from the uh, uh, New American Standard Version here, but the Lord was pleased to crush him. Looked up the Hebrew word. The Hebrew word means satisfied. Satisfied. It satisfied the Father to crush him. Why? Micah seven eighteen says, who is, like, who is a God like you? Pardoning iniquity. Passing over transgression for the remnant of his inheritance. He does not retain his anger forever because he delights in steadfast love. You know what the word delight is? It's the same word that's in Isaiah 53, please. It's the same word satisfied because he is satisfied in the steadfast love of Christ that has been sacrificed for you. And then that brings me to this last word, and that is, how does he do this? How, how, how does he redeem us? He, he, he saves us by shedding his own blood. Mark tells us a story in Mark chapter 2. By the way, uh, when you come to Luke, a lot of things had happened. Mark refers to him. Matthew refers to him. John refers to him. Uh, but they're not referred to in Luke. It, Luke begins after all of these miracles have taken place when Jesus says, I'm the fulfillment of it. This account had already taken place. In, in Mark chapter 2, in verse 5, it says, uh, when Jesus looks back on uh, the time when 
Jesus was in Capernaum, not in Nazareth. He never went back to Nazareth. Why? What did Nazareth say? We don't want you. We don't need you. We have no need in our life. Uh, he's now in Capernaum, which is just down the road uh, from Nazareth. He is there, and, and it says there were so many people who had gathered around uh, there was a man who was lame. They brought him to Jesus. They couldn't get him to Jesus. They dig a hole in the roof, and they drop him down. And when Jesus saw their faith, he says to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. The scribes and Pharisees that were sitting around were questioning in their hearts. He's, he's committing blasphemy. And they asked the right question or say the right question. Who can forgive sins but God? Only God can forgive sin. And so Jesus says back, in order that you might know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins, I'm going to say to this man, get up and walk. How many of you could do that? How many of you? How many of your prophets have been able to do that? None of them. But I'm going to say to this man, get up and walk, and when he gets up and walk, you're going to know that I have the power to forgive sins. So you and I will celebrate this morning the body and the blood of Jesus Christ that was sacrificed on the cross of Calvary as a substitute for you to provide satisfaction to the Father, to bring salvation to your soul if you're in Christ. If you've come to the place where you say, Lord, I'm bankrupt spiritually. I, have, I, can't bring, I can't bring enough good. I can't do enough good. I couldn't sacrifice enough. I couldn't pay enough money. I couldn't, I couldn't work enough hours to earn my favor with you because all of my righteousness is like filthy rags in your eyes. I know that. And how do I know that? Because God says so. I'm going to tell you what, the world doesn't think that way. The unbelieving world doesn't think that way. It takes the Holy Spirit of God to open a heart, an eye, a mind to be able to see that. And if you're here today without Christ, your prayer needs to be, Oh, Lord, open my eyes. Let me behold Jesus this way. Let me behold myself the way the Bible says I am. I'm in need. And he's a great Savior. And then you need to place faith in Christ. As soon as that happens, you need to say, I believe. Lord, I believe. And with joy receive the greatness of the oil of his anointing on our lives and the celebration of him in me now and the future presence with the Lord in heaven. I want us to bow our heads together. Heads bowed and eyes closed. In a moment, we're going to give a, an invitation. It's an invitation to prepare your heart for receiving the Lord's, the elements of the Lord's table, recognizing that it was the body of Jesus that was crucified on the cross that he actually did suffer and die a real death in your place and in my place. 
that we might have the forgiveness of sin. He shed his blood because without the shedding of blood, there is no cleansing from sin. So it's an invitation to prepare your heart. It's an invitation for you to ask the Lord to open your eyes that you may see Christ, that you may see yourself as Isaiah saw himself, undone and a man of unclean lips living in the midst of a people of unclean lips in need of a Savior. And Jesus, that you might see Jesus, that it is fulfilled in Christ, the one who came to set the captive free, the one who came to take the brokenhearted and mend them, to take our spiritual souls and make them alive because we are dead in our trespasses and sin. And then it's a time for people to respond and say, you know, I need to be a part of a local body of believers that hold these truths to be dear and treasured. And so, Father, we we just ask you to move our hearts, uh, break up the fallow ground, the hard ground of our hearts, so that we may receive the truth of your word and it bring forth in our lives fruit, some 30, some 60, some 100-fold. Christ would be Savior. He would be glorified. We would come to celebrate at this table. And, and Lord, not make it just another ritual, but give thanks to you that it's done in Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.